Hello friends and welcome finally to your belated first Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast of the week and it's a two-man show today, the best two some would argue, uh, my wife would certainly disagree with that. I am Mark Heath, I'm your host, I've just about recovered from watching my team lose in the Super Bowl uh, and I'm joined by a man whose youth I wish I had because then I could stay up till 4am and it wouldn't even bother me, AJ Alex Jones, how are you? I'm good, thanks. When when you said that your your wife wouldn't agree, was that just because like she has some sort of hatred of me? Or it's not a passing comment on you, mate. I'd, I'd, okay, I'd, I'd imagine she's fairly sanguine about you. Um, okay. She certainly wouldn't agree with anything that suggests that I am at the top of any kind of chart. Um, I wrote <laughs> hmm. a food review, uh, controversial food review, last week, which um, got quite a lot of uh, what's the word hate on uh, on social media. Um, oh, that feels familiar. And- she did, she was delighted to read out some of the the most vitriolic hate to me because I was like I'm still not going to look at it I won't look mm. at it it'll trigger me um, and she, so she took it upon herself then to check and read out when uh, when there was particularly nasty ones um, directed in my direction and uh, she so you've it. had the uh, the player ratings experience I, I think it was like that but times a million mate I think last time I checked, okay. well, last time she checked there were about three hundred comments associated to it so there we go. Um, just a necessary evil, unfortunately, of our of our day to day lives. Um, friend, how are you? How's things? Good, yeah. I think, as always, it's good to have a, a period of reflection post games, especially after a game like the one on Saturday, which I know that you uh, thoroughly enjoyed watching live. Quite... You were definitely there. Well, I didn't. I didn't watch it live, mate. As you know, I was. Um, where was, where, where were you? I was sparring it up in Bury. Uh, not mm-hmm. not sparring, boxing sparring. Those days are, are long gone with my knee. Um, sparring, as in luxury, um, lying by the side of a pool, yeah, having being pampered sparring. That was me on Saturday. But I did get to see the second half because it was on, as I thought it might be, it was on in the gym. So mm-hmm. um, I I kind of watched most of that while pretending to work out at the same time. So I did enjoy I did enjoy the second half um, and the first half by the sound of it, which we'll talk about. I've seen the highlights clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but you're going to have to do quite a lot of heavy lifting old friend on today's show as we look back at that game and then even more load yourself up with more weight for the Millwall oh, side yes. of things and we're going to lean heavily on your preview there do you know how my day started by the way AJ I'm already in bits having stayed up till 4am on Monday morning which I can't do anymore body clock's gone how did your day start uh this morning I walked into my office I was like I sat on my desk mouse shit on my desk so we've we've now got a mouse problem at Heath Towers leafy Heath Towers has an infestation oh, no. Um, which we're going to have to sort out. So I've been on my hands and knees in the corners of the house this morning looking for where little little blighters are getting in. Um, so, yeah. I knew it would be something like that, and I had this slight fear you were going to say Benson had left an absolute steaming oh, no. pile on my desk. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He's a very good boy. But the, the mice do, and they've been on my desk, which which has given me the ick, as the kids say. Um, no, I don't like it. We've got these mm. like kind of wood on the back of... On the back of Heath Towers, which means that they come into the garden quite a lot, and now it seems they're into wow. the uh, into the house. That's lovely. Looking forward to um, poisoning them later <laughs> on today. Uh, right, should we talk about West Brom? Speaking about uh, poison, because um, mm. the first half wasn't particularly good, was it? AJ, we we, we spoke at length, and I asked Stu uh, a blindingly obvious question on last week's pod about trying to navigate those first fifteen minutes. They did navigate the first fifteen minutes, yeah. but they only made it another three minutes before they conceded again. The fifth straight game in which they've fallen behind, the 18th game this season in which they've fallen behind. And it's fair to say, and we, we don't like criticising people on this show, but you, you, you hope that, that Luke Wolfenden would, 
would have done better in that scenario with that goal. Yeah, it was a slightly strange start to the match where Town probably could have found themselves 1-0 down within, I think I looked at the clock, maybe 58 seconds into that game. They were quite fortunate that they didn't in the end there. Um, and then they did improve, but it wasn't like what we have seen from their home performances. It wasn't that they were playing on the front foot and playing lots of free-flowing attacking football. They created chances and they just were lacking something that killer pass, killer touch right at the end. They had quite a good opportunity to um, to to score, I think, very shortly before um, West Brom then came up the other end and, and did it themselves. And the goal, oh, there was something slightly made stone about it when you watch it back. So it's literally one, two, clean through. Wow, that rhymed. Um, there was the, the pass from Vyman over the top. Brilliant ball. Um, Tom Fellows, I think, has kind of regarded as one of the, the bright young stars at West Brom's team, goes through. And, and yeah, then you're in the situation with Wolfen and, and he's got he's, he's put himself in a good opportunity to, to go and stop the attack by getting his body in front of Fellows. And you're thinking, right, don't, don't mess about. Kick it out. You've either got to have a professional foul, potentially take a booking, but you know you stop the counter-attack, or you've just got to boot the ball out of play out the mm. stadium and he just hesitates gets out muscled um he doesn't totally lose fellows because he's kind of stays to him as he goes into the box but by that point what can you do you bring him down and you give away a penalty or you risk the fact that he could score he could fire wide um the finish is superb i know that when you kind of hear he's beaten the goalkeeper as near post you might think oh it's not great from the keeper but nothing Raz can do about that um clark gets caught quite narrow in it and it's another frustrating one. It's one where you have to look back and say fair play because the counter was exceptional from West Brom. It's a fantastic finish. But especially from Luke Wolfenden's perspective, he'll be really frustrated with it because not only does he get out-muscled, but he ends up making the wrong decision there, um, which is a shame because his performances as well in the last few weeks have been much, much better, especially mm. positionally, and he got caught out big time here. Yeah, okay. So they're 1-0 down. Um, and skipping ahead to the end of the game, McKenna was asked about this habit of falling behind. And he said, it's it's certainly something we've spoken about, obviously. Um, and we'll talk about it again before the Millwall game. He says he's got a couple of things in his mind which he wants to enact. So what do you reckon, AJ? I know we've spoken about this a lot, but it's clearly an issue for town. When he says, I've got a couple of things in my mind, are there things that you would be looking at changing, adapting, implementing? Because um, hmm. clearly, clearly there's an issue to be tackled. Um, what what do you reckon he might be talking about? Have a, have, a, have a little guess. It's tricky, isn't it? Because I feel like, does it then become a mentality issue? And how do you tackle mentality issues, especially mm. from a managerial perspective? I feel like Kieran McKenna is someone who's so tactically based. And if he has a problem that he needs to solve, the solution is going to be something tactical. So could it be something like that, potentially? Um, the idea that always kind of floats around in my head is, I mean, we all remember when Town went to a back five. And it kind of shored them up defensively. They had an unbelievable defensive record at that point in um, in League One. But maybe the goals weren't coming as much. So potentially it's something like that. You've got a player like Wes Burns who can become the wing back. Harry Clark can become the centre. Everything can shift quite easily. So that's always an idea. But for me, more than anything, it, it just feels like, well, two sides. So for starts, I think that there is a big slice of the fact that they're just unfortunate in some games. I mean, 
God, look at the Preston game, for example. Neither mm. of the first two goals should have counted. Others have been deflections, could have been fouls, just individual mistakes as well. Um, and when you're in that kind of rot, it's hard to come out with it. So more than anything, I'd say it's just something within the mentality that needs to change, um, which can happen a lot. Uh, Mill will have a really big one that I'll, I'll touch on when we get on to them, for example. Um, and... Yeah, I think that from from McKenna's perspective, though, it will be a tactical switch, and it'll be interesting to see what that is. Is that going to be personnel? There will be changes, I'm sure, because it's a busy fixture list, and mm. he has kind of largely kept the same. But maybe there's something more coming down the line. Mm. Strange, isn't it? Because not too long ago, as we said on the last pod, we were talking about how fast towns start, and now mm. uh, we've got this problem of them falling behind early doors seemingly every game okay so we're talking about making adaptions and and changing things they certainly did that in this game aj because they came out with fire in the second half and were level <laughs> within what a few few seconds wasn't it um yeah nathan broadhead scoring and i thought watching watching this back on some of the highlights packages it's bit quite unkind the commentator says he'll never score an easier goal but if you watch the uh, if you watch the replay, it's a Ooh. really difficult finish for him, isn't it? Because it's one yeah. of those ones that's like I think he actually said after the game, didn't he? You spoke to him and he said it's one of those ones where the height of it, you're not sure whether to head it, kick it, what you do with it. Uh, and he managed to yes. kind of leaping, uh, leaping, uh, contact it and score. It was a really nice finish, really nice finish. Um, mm. And it came from Edmondson's flick on. And again, they were looking at whether or not he handballed it. Uh, which was nonsense because he's literally jumping and it's you know he's got his hand out in yep. front of him and it's kind of it may have impacted his hand but it's no way it's a handball. Um, mm-hmm. So really nice again. We, we're used to it, AJ. Town falling behind and then coming back and, and rectifying things pretty quickly after half time. Yeah, I think the big change in this as well was West Brom's setup at the start was perfect. So they had Yakuslu who was just so good on the ball. Every time he brought it forward, he was just sweeping past Morsey, sweeping past Luongo. He was the one who's getting the counter starting. And what they had was, well, I mean, talk about the big centre-backs who kind of especially managed to mark Kiefer Moore out of the game. They lost one at half-time. When Carl Bartley went off, that was a huge blow and they had to move Yakuslu deeper. So you're then playing with a um, defensive midfielder at centre-back and, and they lost something big there. And they lose mm. a, bit, a lot of physical presence, so... The long throw comes in from Clark, gets cleared back to Clark. It's a good cross back in, the flick on. And then the finish, as you said, so hard to do that, I think, to, to know in that split second. This is why, look, I, I think that consistency has been the big issue for, for Nathan Broadhead. But when you're a clinical finisher, these things come naturally, naturally to you. Mm. Um, and it absolutely did for him. Some kind of similarities, I feel need to watch it back again, but I think the goal he scored against um, Norwich was quite similar, the way he kind of sweeps in and almost side-foots into the corner. Um, so becoming a little bit of a trademark. Lovely run as well to make sure that you're able to just kind of sweep past the defender there, breeze in and have that finish. Um, well, Well-worked well move. And um, that was, yeah, again, we talk about them starting slowly. Starting fast after the break was exactly what they needed. Um, and did largely up until the next point we'll get on to kind of set the tone for the second half. Yeah, so they, they definitely improved things. And then we had this this weird, um, I mean, watching live, you think, oh, they're, they're falling behind there, Andy Vyman. Um, but <laughs> he's gone full Maradona. Full Maradona. Yeah. And I'm not really mm. sure what he's thinking because his hand was here. It would have been just as easy, surely, to nod it in. I know he's probably worried about the post, which is approaching fast in his peripheral vision but he's like that hasn't he? he's gone like that 
Um, yeah. Really odd one. And fair play, we criticised refs a fair amount. But um, fair play for picking that up. I didn't it see live, it. Full no, no, watching it live, you think absolutely oh. not. Um, yeah. No, I I thought it was quite a well worked move. It was a powerful, what looked like a powerful header mm. at the time. Um, and yeah, when you watch it back, it's one of those where you go, "Oh my god!" Because you really don't clock how bad it is. It's egregious. It's an egregious it's foul. Really bad. Yeah, yeah, and he picks up a yellow card for it. I've seen some suggestions that. You know, given the fact that he then did that and wheeled away, celebrating as well in the aftermath, came rushing mm. over to the referee. But potentially, it could have been worse. I think I'm not 100 percent sure on what the the rules on that situation are. Maybe the 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 famous blue cards would have been useful there. <laughs> but um, that was, poor. Yeah, I think maybe I said on ground level, maybe it's something that would look a bit more blatant. But from the press box view, it just looked like a really good header. And then you see the replay, and it's just. I think I did say on Twitter, Maradona-esque when it uh, went in. A very similar. I mean, obviously his was above his head, wasn't it? Whereas mm. this one was literally next to his head. It wasn't kind um, of like the jump and flick. He literally no. was like a proper handball smash. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So we thought Town had gone 2-1 behind. They hadn't. And then they had. Um, and very frustrating watching this in the gym. Because <laughs> it felt like Town's momentum was carrying them towards potentially getting the goal at the other end. And and then they uh, they fall behind again, AJ. What did you make of this one? I think in the moment, I didn't realise how dominant Town had been in that period. Yeah. And having watched kind of quite large chunks of the game back, you realise and you look at the chances and you look at the statistical bits that you might not like. But you look at all those things and you actually realise, wow, they're the ones who are in full control here. Um, and again, we talk about things you can't account for. You can't account for individual mistakes. You can't account for... Um, refereeing errors, deflections, things like that. You also can't kind of account for the fact that someone like John Swift, who's one of the best midfielders in the leagues, picks up the ball and smacks it in from 25 yards. Uh, a player who probably, I'm not even sure, would have been on the pitch naturally at that point because they had their, their striker, Daryl DK, who um, unfortunately suffered a really bad injury, oh, had man. a horrible career so with them. Um, yeah. Was brought off on a golf cart in tears. He's oh, done awful to his watch. Achilles. It's Achilles, yeah, which is only, yeah, and it's the other side as well. Yeah. So he's done. I think it was the right side originally, and he, he's now done the left. He's had ACL injuries. Uh, this will be one that will take him out until 2025. So I mean, how can right. you build any momentum in your career? Yeah. And he always there are so many funny quotes and bits from him online. He always comes across as a very nice guy, and West Brom fans love him. It's not one where they look at him and say, oh, you know, he's, he's just injury prone. It's just so unlucky. And it, it, it really is upsetting for, for mm. them. And I think for everyone watching on as well, I didn't even see it happen in real time. But the switch allowed Swift to come on and, and then wasn't long after that he scored it. And there's quite a bit of blame that I've seen kind of put towards that, towards Vaz in this. Mm. Not for me, just because yeah. I think, A, there's a lot of bodies in front of him. And B, the way it dips, the shot comes in, it bounces pretty much right in front of him, goes right into the bottom corner. Not a lot for me that, that he could have done there, to be perfectly honest. Um, and yeah, how can you account for those kind of things? You can have a dominant period. And yeah, you can say they've got to be better at their finishing. And we, we know that from the last few weeks, even though they've gone and still scored two, three goals and whatever amount of games recently. But um, yeah, you, you can't always sit there and say that you're fully prepared for something like that happening and then all of a sudden you're staring down the, the barrel of what would have been the third successive defeat for Ipswich Town for the first time I think since about August 2021 
was the yeah, start. It's not happened under McKenna, has it? Hasn't Can't happened. They haven't even had consecutive. I think they've had consecutive league defeats on no. McKenna before, and it would have been that as well. So, um, look, Kieran likes breaking records, probably not in that way. No. Um, so they have to pick themselves up again, Alex. And uh, again, they do. This this side, yes, they've got an issue with falling behind, but they've also got an incredible amount of uh, resilience, as we know, um, the ability to to pick themselves up and go again. And they did again. And Omar, you know, Hutchinson's goal, it was deserved, first of all. But what a finish. That was oh, yeah. not a, that was not an easy, easy thing to do. But they had easier chances, didn't they? Um, and then it falls to him. You think the chance has gone, first of all, because you want him to hit it straight away. But then he takes his time. And he almost, it's kind of behind him, isn't it, when he, uh, mm. when he strikes it? It's a beautiful finish. Yeah, I think this one was one that I, I kind of see coming in a way because you knew that, Sam were going to pile the pressure on. But also, when you looked at the benches, and we talk about Town might not have quite the same squad depth as the teams around them, West Brom did not have a lot going for them there. and They've had mm. injuries and, and players at AFCON, things like that. Um, but the options that they had on their bench compared to Town were chalk and cheese here. Um, Town bringing on Amari Hutchinson, bringing on Sarmiento came on, Ali Alhamadi, as we touch on in a minute, came on. Had quite an, a good chance there. But it's Hutchinson who's... A, impressed off the bench, and B, is knocking on the door for a start for me because, wow, mm. again, so lively in this game. Um, his intelligence has improved so much because, obviously, what we're used to seeing from him at times, especially towards the start of the season, was if I'm in a position that I think I can shoot, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to smack it. Um, Kieran McKenna's changed that with him, and he's so much more intelligent on the ball. The cross has come in, and he becomes a, a dangerous creator, and you can see that he was the one who was really driving them forward. And then in the one time where he needed to be really selfish, yeah. picks it up, smacks it. It's a really good skill. He kind of yeah, scuffs the first one, comes back to him. But to take that almost first time as it bounces towards him and to curl it in, um, wow, a lovely, lovely finish. And to get it right into the, the corner as well. Um, we know he has it in his locker. We've seen it before. He's got that kind of skill and finesse to him. Um, so, yeah, I think that that was the least that Ipswich deserved from it. They could have gone on and won it. Ali Alhamadi forced a, a really good save from Palmer, who have up there as one of the best goalkeepers in the league. He made some fantastic saves. Um, mm. But this is, again, where you can take the positives, is that, sure, at the start, there were concerns and they have to address the slow starts and, and things like that. And potentially this could be a question of saying, do other players deserve to come in and have an opportunity because the ones who've come on, and we've seen it for the last couple of weeks, have been so good. They brought Keith Moore off the bench, he scored a brace. They brought Ali Alhamadi off the bench, he scored, well, he hasn't scored, but he came very, very close to getting two goals, could have scored against Preston, could have scored here, was unfortunate not to in both cases. Maury Hutchinson, lively. Jeremy Salmiento looks better off the bench. So they've got options there, which is really good. Um, and if nothing else, when they're in these positions, which has been the case more often than not, they can bring players on to change the game. Yeah, um, and there was there was the mother of all penalty box scuffles as well, wasn't there? Um, <laughs> towards the this end was of the like game. a royal rumble. Style. It was like almost like a comedy sketch. It, yeah. it got to that point where everyone is basically just gathered around the ball and trying to kick it, and it's not going anywhere. There's a mm. player laying on the ball. It was it was beautiful. Um, so, how did you feel at the end of the game, AJ? Given that Tower had twice been behind, again they've sh they've shown this hard to kill resilience. Mm. Um, but clearly, it was a game where we were hoping they're going to start building some momentum. Good result on the on the face of the, I guess, the game state, as Stuart Watson likes to say now. 
Um, how, how are you feeling about things generally after the game? Because, what is it, one one league win in nine now? I think yeah, it is, something one like in that. nine. So um, if you look at the bigger picture, and they've obviously slipped further behind second, how are you feeling about things? Immediate reaction is, that's a fantastic point, it's a fantastic moment. Mm. We, I talk about the moments a lot because... Ipswich have had so many of them, like last gasp winners, celebrating in front of packed out away ends. I mean, the ones that come to mind. Amari Hutchinson against Middlesbrough, brilliant moment in front of the away ends. Um, Sam Morsey's late, late winner at Watford. You yeah. can have the goals that lifted the roof off at Portman Road against Norwich. You can have um, Morsey against Leicester when that deflected in. So many actual like, fantastic moments and individual kind of an individual perspective and this is absolutely one of them it was fantastic and the noise was unbelievable and that means that within the kind of immediate aftermath of the game your reaction is wow amazing brilliant um and i think that that does remain because you also have to look at what west brom are and, and they're a very good team away from home yeah. it, it's a bit frustrating with the fact that their away form is poor they've only won four away from home all season um and they were probably there for the taking, you'd have to say. They were weaker in terms of their numbers. And if you look at the flow of the game, Ipswich were the better team. And it's kind of the same old story where things have gone against them. They've not been able to take their chances. They've been better in large parts, et cetera, et cetera. And they've not been able to do it. So it kind of feels a bit like a continuation as well. So that is frustrating, of course. Um, yeah, and you kind of land somewhere in the middle of it and, one of the big positives of it is the fact that now they have got a slightly easier run if they can build off the momentum of a, a late, late equaliser going into what is a quote-unquote easier run, then um, hopefully it can really put them in a, a much better position. Yeah. Um, in terms of the bigger picture, I'm trying to find this stat that Stu had, because um, we like stats, don't we? He, he wrote... I his, like stats. His, you love stats. I do. Um, Stu wrote in his... Uh, Stu says that... It, it, it's not as if there are any signs really that the wheels are falling off. It's just maybe no. they're not getting the rub of the green. Um, where is this stat bigger picture? Here we go. Right. So in the last three games, if you should face 17 shots, seven on target and conceded seven goals. In contrast, mm -hmm. they've had 84 shots, yeah. 29 on target and scored five. I mean, that's not a sign... That side is particularly struggling. As you always say, you get worried when the chances are drying mm. up and the performances aren't what they were. But it, it just feels like the town are on that. It, very similar to last season at this time, actually, almost a carbon copy when they had a stumble um, around Christmas time. They didn't really lose games, but they weren't winning them. And then it culminated with a very frustrating nil-nil draw on Valentine's Day. What day is it tomorrow? Oh yeah, it's Valentine's mm. Day. Very funny. But again, it, you know, they, they managed to turn things around then. And, and McKenna at the time was saying, you know, performance is still there. And it does it does still feel like that to me. When you look at the stats, the underlying stats, mm -hmm. you're still feeling fairly good about things, aren't you, AJ? Or am I just being yeah. too optimistic? No, Benson sounds very, very... Oh, can you hear it? Listen, Sorry. No, no, it's only it's only when neither of us are talking. Or have yeah. That. You can just hear him. I feel like he, he wants to fill the void, which is good when you have a two-man pod. You need something to kind of balance it yeah. out for a period of time. <laughs> Benson does that well. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's so important to look at the positives, and it's, it's sometimes hard to do it because when you mention all underlying numbers and mm. statistically they've created better, but it is also to an extent, the eye test as well. And I don't think that many people could look at the second half of the West Brom and say, 
they didn't deserve a bare minimum of a point, probably should have won it. Um, and we can take those kind of takeaways from, from the last few. I mean, look at the Maidstone game, for example. They could have scored about eight in that one. Yeah. Um, well, they would have done, I think, exactly, nine, yeah. nine, like 100 times, Town would have won that six or seven, two most times. Mm. Like, yeah. yeah, so you do have to look at these kind of things as well. And, yeah, I mean, this is, as I said, someone who loves the statistical side, this is where the stats become important because you can't just go chucking them around randomly. Mm. You can't, you know drag random numbers out and say, well, there actually is this and this and this, if it doesn't mean something. But in this case, it does show that the performances warrant more than the results have in the last few weeks. Um, That is based off a variety of different things. But at the end of the day, it has to pass the eye test as well. And it does, I think. And um, that's where the cause for, for, for optimism comes. But then on the flip side, you have got to think, well, if we're talking about an automatic promotion picture here, You've got Leeds, who probably are performing as the best team in the league at the moment mm. in terms of performances. You've got Southampton, who I'd say had an off day against Huddersfield over the weekend and stuck five past them yeah. uh, in a 5-3 win. What? Yeah. Um, and then you've got Leicester, who are trying to prove me wrong at every single step of the way. So a lot with those three, any kind of slip-up or any kind of game where you don't have a rub of the green, you're going to get punished for. Mm. So two sides to it. Yeah, they're unlucky. Yeah. Other sides could have this coming into the run-in when they have hard, when they have harder games, and you're in a totally different situation. You could have one where, I mean, as we all know from last season, the, the nadir of Valentine's Day, which then led to an unbeaten run between uh, February 14th and the end of the season. If Town had that, for example, this year, and it's a lot harder to do in the Championship, then they've got every single chance of finishing in the top two. But it's crazy that. Stu, for example, I saw his predictions piece that went out this morning. He went through, I think it was, he had a handful of draws and a few wins from predicted from the next nine or so. Um, if his predictions came off, it would take Town 79 points with, I think, seven games remaining, which on any other year would be just absurd, easy automatic promotion numbers. Yet you're looking at that thinking, I'm not sure it's going to be enough yeah. to kind of challenge the top two, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, so context about the performances is vital but you also have to look at the bigger picture of the league um I just be happy for where town are at the end of the day as well um this is a team that's performing remarkably well and regardless mm. of where they end up um we'll look back on the season as one of the best in well i mean you can tell me how long well certainly recent recent history mm. um okay so let's let's move on then from that that game which obviously is a few days ago now and let's let's turn to AJ's time to shine, the Alex Jones Memorial Derby at the Den yeah. on Valentine's Day. Where Memorial? Else rather, where else would you rather? But I'm sure they feel like they've lost someone, AJ, at Millwall. Uh, oh. And you're coming back tomorrow. So I'm sure <laughs> they've renamed the press box. Um, yeah. You've got the AJ press box now, the media suite. Um, <laughs> you'll be going back on Valentine's Day. When else would you rather go back? And we yeah. said now this is, a, this is a big opportunity, isn't it? Um, no beating around the bush. Now they've got that kind of sticky patch out the way. Yes, they're statistically, um, not statistically, wins-wise, points-wise, they've not had a, a fruitful run, but now mm-hmm. this really is an opportunity playing nine games in a row against sides in the bottom half of the table to really start building that momentum. We've, we've seen them do it before. Um, and Millwall are in no sort of form as, mm-hmm. as town head there. What have they lost four out of the last five? I think they've only won once this season. Uh, season once, um, Yeah, they really would be in trouble. Once this year, once in 2024, I think mm-hmm. in the league they've won. Yeah. Um, so 
on you go then, son. How are you feeling about how are you feeling first of all about going back to Millwall, where you spent all oh, of yeah. last season covering them? Um yeah. and B, what kind of challenge do you think town may face for mm. Millwall tomorrow? Yeah, I'm looking forward to going back. Obviously, it'll be good fun. Um, I got to see some old friends when Millwall came to Portman Road back in November, was it? Highlights of that one, I think. Um the BBC reporter, the, the radio guy, Carl, who um, I'd done quite a bit of travelling with, decided to greet me again by punching me in the shoulder as I was working. It was the first time that I bumped into him again for the first, yeah, since I left. Um, Bloody Millwall. Do things differently there, don't they? Proper Millwall, this. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. Um, and, yeah, good to see a few faces that, that weren't at that one because not that many people end up doing Millwall home and away, I found, mm. when I was doing the coverage there. So that'd be really nice. Um this, in terms of an Ipswich perspective, this is where you want Ipswich to be, the flat cap bullies. And it's, it counts for the whole run, but um, look, they've gone and they've got these really big ones out the way. The next kind of top, top team they're going to face, you'd say, will, will be um, Southampton on April 1st. Get your jokes ready. Um, but yeah, looking at Noble's recent run, poor, really, really poor. Um they made the switch back in October to, to move Gary Rowell on mutual consent, going for Joe Edwards. I think you look at it and it's such an exciting move and other clubs have benefited from it. Town have benefited from going for the young coach vibe, for mm. example. This is someone who's never managed senior football in Joe Edwards. He's uh, coached Chelsea at uh, youth level. He's coached Everton as an assistant, Chelsea as an assistant, won the Champions League under Tuchel and then um, managed England under 20s for a couple of months off the top of my head as well. So he's coming into his first senior management role. Totally different ballpark for starters. But um, with that, I think after a slow start, they won their first game 4-0, then went on a pretty bad losing run. And then there were some signs. that There, there were some big signs of life. They went and beat QPR 2-0. That was huge in that one because if they'd lost that, they really would have been in trouble. Went and beat Norwich. <laughs> um, and then went and won away at um, Bristol City as well. And, and you could feel that the atmosphere had changed in that one. I saw lots of videos of him going and celebrating in front of the away end. Um, everyone was on board with it. And since then, knocked out of the FA Cup by Leicester. No disgrace. Beaten at home by Middlesbrough. Lost away at QPR. Big result. Drew mm. Preston at home. Lost at Hull. Lost at Coventry. They're hard games, to be fair. But it has sent them kind of crashing towards the, the relegation zone and the performances are a concern for, for two perspectives. For starters, the den, everyone, how many times have you heard the den's a hard place to go? Well, that's, like, that's a classic, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, last season, their home form was what took them to around the playoffs. This season, mm. they have the 21st best, well, yeah, <laughs> the fourth worst home record in the division. They've won four all season. Uh, three of those I just listed to you. The other one they beat was Stoke at home. Um, so all kind of teams around the relegation zone plus Norwich. Um, they're not great at, at the Den. And the other one is the fact that they are an opposite of Ipswich at the moment. They love scoring first. They fly at the traps and then they just go down like a deck of cards. Um, a few stats to rattle off at you. We, we talked about... Ipswich taking points from losing positions. I think it's 20, top of my head, I think it's 22. Don't quote mm. me on that. I know for Millwall from dropping points from winning positions, 24. Wow. Um, which is a lot. And the other one is that um, the teams who scored the most first goals in the league, unsurprisingly, one is Leicester and the other one is Southampton. 
the team who scored the third most first goals, if that makes sense, is Millwall, who are 18th. Wow, good stat. Um, yeah, so this just shows that maybe there are kind of those glimmers of, of positivity, but the mentality side it's just isn't there. I mm. think part of that could be down to the fact that you could maybe think back to the last day of last season. They went 3-1 up going into a game they needed to win to, to make the playoffs and ended up losing that 4-3. And mm. it was just crushing for the entire club players out on the pitch in tears. And I think recovering from that has been harder than people have anticipated. So add the fact that you've then got a very inexperienced manager who's come in and also has changed the style of play. That's a huge one here. Gary Rowett's so defensive and the new manager's come in um, when they played Millwall in when they played Ipswich in the last game. God. Um, Millwall's high, defensive line was halfway up the pitch and Ipswich just kind of ended up picking them off a little bit. Um, maybe that's changed and they've recruited well. I like some of the players they've got in. Michael Obafemi is a great striker. Jafet Tanganga has a lot of experience. They've still got players like Zian Fleming, who scored 15 last season. Tom Bradshaw scored 17, but none of them are really hitting the levels at the moment. And if they're still having time to adapt to a new style, be um, a really rough period for them. And then by no means up the relegation picture either. Hmm. Talk to me about the players. And you touched on it there, AJ. You've obviously watched mm-hmm. a lot of them um, last yeah. season. Zian Fleming is the one that jumps off the page, isn't he? Looking at the stats anyway, so far this yeah. season, six goals, five assists, leads Millwall in both categories. Um, he's clearly going to be a danger. Um, I know you're a big fan of him. You uh, you share a, yes. share a language as well, don't you? We course? share a language. He yeah. said that my Dutch was not terrible when we spoke, which was good. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it had dipped quite significantly. Yeah. That's the other memory I had. He once messaged me at about eleven o'clock at night, um, saying, "Can we move our physio session for the morning?" And I was like, "What the hell?" Yeah, he did. The, the text was not meant for me, and he had to kind of like very awkwardly explain. Yeah, he messaged me about a physio session, and I was thinking, okay, yeah, no problem. Fair enough. That's, yeah, that's yeah. not really, it's not really my area of expertise. But yeah. you know, I've got the skating, I've got the singing. I can also add on uh, Millwall physio and Ipswich journalist onto those things. Um, he's yeah, he's a fantastic player when he's on it. Last season was absolutely unbelievable. He thrived in the Gary Rowett system. He just got the best out of him. Working off Tom Bradshaw, Bradshaw's another one to mention who's had injury issues this season. Four goals, three assists in the league, but had 17 last season after a massive run. Fleming was pretty consistent throughout after recovering from an injury at the start. Um, And I remember meeting him for the first time. You were like, there's something about him. And then I met him a few weeks later. I'm pretty sure he hadn't left the gym because he was just 90% muscle. Terrifying. Yeah, and he does... um, Oh... There's an MMA fighter. This is gonna. You might be able to, who would do this celebration? Do we know who this is? Uh, no, no. What? I might have to look it up. Um, that's a fairly. Does, that's a fairly standard celebration there. He um, has copied an MMA celebration, and I. It's Nate Diaz. Okay. He does a Nate Diaz. It's inspired by that. That's why he does it. Um, Stockton slap. Nate Diaz is one of these iconic, legendary MMA fighters. So he, um, he'll do one of those kind of celebrations. He likes that. He's, yeah. he's got a bit about him. He's a bit of a fiery character. Um, and off the back of his form last season, Burnley came in with quite a few bids to try and bring him in. I think they came up to almost 15 million and Millwall said, go away, which they probably regret, to be perfectly honest, because 15 million is a lot of money and, and Fleming's form has been not great after that. I mean, yeah. you look at it and you think his goals turns not bad. But this is a man who almost... 
single-handedly took Millwall to the playoffs, or not to the playoffs, but to the edge of the playoffs last season um, with a bit of help from those around him, especially Tom Bradshaw. And and with him not hitting the same levels, it's a big reason as to why they've not been as good this season. Um, That being said, free kicks, long-range goals, his speciality, he's powerful, he's fast, he's versatile, he's one I'd look out for. Um, Where's he play? Is he a 10? He's he's a 10 who can drift yeah. out wide. So under this new system, he's kind of been playing a little bit off the left of the central striker, which in recent weeks, so their, their main striker, Kevin Nisbet, has done his hamstring badly. So he'll be out for a while. Obafemi's leading the line. And then one of the big issues at Millwall as well is the fact that they're chopping and changing the team a lot because they just can't seem to really find a, a winning solution. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, a couple of other players to, to highlight. Jake Cooper is going to be an interesting one. Bags of championship experience. And there'll be a section in my match preview, go read it tomorrow, where I've previewed his clash, hoping that he starts, he should do, against um, Keeper Moore, because you're going to have a six foot six centre back against a six foot six striker. And it is going to be brutal. I cannot wait. Um, Keeper Moore got the better of him at one point where he brushed past him or playing for Cardiff, just ran past and scored. And I think Jay Cooper might be out for some revenge. So I think it could get feisty. Like um, it. The other one, Romain Essay, intrigues me. Um, he's only 18, made his debut as a 17-year-old last season. Hasn't been favoured under Edwards too much, but he scored on their last game against uh, Coventry over the weekend, which is a game that they lost having taken the lead. Shock horror. Um I think that he's maybe going under the radar a little bit. I think if he gets some more games, this is an England youth international here as well. He's quite exciting and quite lively. So I think one of the big issues for Ipswich as well is how do you prepare for a team that just changes their team every single week? Um, But I also think that it does play into their hands to an extent with the fact that if they go behind, which wouldn't be a surprise, this is not a side that, Managers to cope being in front, they, they can't seem to do it that well. Um, it is set up quite nicely, narrative wise, for Ipswich. Mm. Well, let's talk about Ipswich then, in terms of the team. Clearly, there's a lot mm-hmm. of games coming up, and we've seen McKenna have plans and change things. You, you spoke earlier about Amari Hutchinson. Wes Burns continues his struggles with um, a shorter a shorter haircut. Um, so, <laughs> is that a change you'd be looking to make? Are there any other changes? I mean, we, we spoke, Keith Moore clearly started for the first time. Um, yeah. You've mentioned Al Hamadi, uh, impressing on on his cameos thus far. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit around what what you might do with the team? What you think McKenna might do? I'm worried that Wes Burns' dad might be listening, and I might get <laughs> so he might he might come for me on Twitter again after my yeah. ratings post Leicester. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't even think that that Wes Burns' dad or Wes Burns can argue with the fact that he, he's probably not performing at the the highest level at the moment, and that's mm. that's okay, that's fine, you know, like. You could say the same thing about Nathan Broadhead and any player. They, these things come in, in peaks and troughs, Absolutely. and at some point he'll he'll get back to his best. But with that, I wouldn't be surprised. A little run out of the team could help him. I also like the idea of Wes Burns off the bench. Yeah, have him running at some tired defenders, and it gives Amari Hutchinson a chance. He, that would be the obvious switch for me. Controversial. I wouldn't do that. I probably wouldn't do anything else at the, the front line, just because again you're looking at Saturday and thinking. They did everything apart from stick it in the net, basically, in that period where they were trying to dominate. And do you want to 
kind of knock that down. I don't. It's not really knocking it down, but you want to go through and make those kind of changes when the performances haven't necessarily led to the right results. Um, I'm not sure the one who stands out for me is Alhamdi, but then you're also looking at who you take out. Where do you fit him in? Because you're not yeah. going to drop key for more. Do you play him as the ten? Do you play him on the left? It's a, a hard one to find. The rest pretty much stays the same for me, apart from. Do you now start to look at the centre backs as well? Luke Wolfen didn't have his best afternoon against West Brom. You've got Axel Tanzebe, who's waited quite patiently. Burgess and I think is some time off. out of the team will help. And Burgess is the other one. Mm. Uh, Burgess and Tanzebe were the, the partnership that played more in the last game and probably deserved to keep a clean sheet in that one. Um, were pretty dominant throughout the game. So maybe it feels, it always feels quite drastic when you say change both the centre backs. But. Mm. They've done it before, and, and I think that that could benefit. So those would be the ones I'd look at. I don't necessarily think that it would make much sense to go much further than that, but definitely the two centre-backs I'd, I'd consider, and I'd definitely look at bringing Amari um, in for Wes Burns on the right. Okay. Right then, prediction time. The narrative seems too perfect and straightforward here, doesn't it? it all Everything points at town falling behind again mm. and then fighting back and winning the game. Oftentimes that gets flipped on its head and town town will score first tomorrow uh, and either stroll to victory or, or, or maybe struggle the other way. Um, so what are you saying then, AJ, given your knowledge of both sides, your uh, mastery mm. of the stats, what, what are you saying? Goals don't come that easily for Millwall. Last mm. five games, they've scored three, which is not wonderful. And they've only scored one in a game they've not scored more than the goal in a league game since boxing day so i think i'm going to go i think that the narrative is set up one way and i think that my results can kind of my prediction can kind of account for the fact that it could go that way but i think that they no you know what i'm leading this league I'm going to go Millwall nil, Ipswich two. Oh, I think clean sheet season is upon us. I think make some changes at the back. I think that there'll be a bit of a reaction from the weekend, and I think that Millwall are probably the, the opportune team to come up against just because of what happened to them over the weekend as well. Imagine going one nil, you're one nil up going to the 67th minute, and you just get hit by a double whammy and lose the game. That must hurt, and I think that they'll be, yeah, they're. they're in a bit of a rut that they're going to struggle to come back from. And I think that maybe as well, the last gasp Ipswich equaliser against the Baggies can give them a bit of a boost. And who do you reckon is going to score first for town? Ooh, uh, first goal scorer. Oh, should I risk it? Should I risk it? Should I risk it? Mari Hutchinson. This is your time. Because yeah. I said about risking it, yeah. I think that, yeah, he's going to want to take this opportunity with both hands, isn't he? He's going to be so up for this. And I think as well, Amari um, Hutchinson against players like Jake Cooper, you, you worry for Amari Hutchinson. But I think if Kiefer Moore can keep the back line busy, which he will, a few loose elbows and all those kind of things, mm. um, then I think that this is going to create some space for Amari Hutchinson to go do something. Okay, so you're saying 2-0. I also I, I reckon Tan are gonna score first in this game and it might be early. Um so I'm gonna i I'm gonna go one one bigger. I'm gonna say three nil, which would be a, a tremendous for town. I like it. I, like it. I think if they get an early goal, Millwall clearly in no sort of form. Uh yes, the den, the classic hard place to go, but then I like a lot of these hard places to go. 
they fall behind and not playing very well, it also can become a hard place to play for the home side. So yeah. um, I'm going to say 3-0 town. And I'm going to say Kiefer Moore to score the first goal. Um, I like love it. that 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 matchup, the irresistible force and the immovable object. I like the way you've teed that up. I also <laughs> hope we don't get to see Zian Fleming doing his Nate Diaz celebration. Yeah. Uh, under, under both of our predictions, we won't. Um, so you're saying 2-0, I'm saying 3-0. Right then, um, that's pretty much it for today. Uh, obviously, you're looking forward to it. But it does mean, of course, AJ, as a young man in the first mm-hmm. bloom of love with your uh, your better half, you're going to mm-hmm. be missing Valentine's Day. I assume you're not taking her to the den on Valentine's Day. No, we went to... Um, I did. We did do a game last season because um, Millwall played at Coventry last season. At the you took her to Coventry. <laughs> now, for those who've not been to the Reef Arena, there is a Hilton built into the stadium. Oh, Nothing says romance like a Hilton at Rico Arena. Nothing says romance yeah. like a Hilton at the Rico Arena, so we did that. But unfortunately, no, I'll, I'll swing by on my way to London. It's the plan tomorrow, but uh, I'll well, be is, as is Valent- as it gets. Is Valentine's Day like a... Th- I mean, I remember when I was <laughs> when I was your sort of age, it was a big Back thing. Back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my just an example into my relationship, my wife turned to me on the sofa the other day and she went, just check in. She said, Valentine's Day, we're not doing that shit, are we? I was like... <laughs> No, no, that, those days are long gone, my sweet. We've been married 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just another day in the Heath household. But uh, are you going to be buying like 25 red roses and all that kind of stuff for uh, for Sophie? Mm, not extra. It, it's, I think at this stage, it's important to have something, but there's mm. kind of a mutual oh, yeah. agreement Absolutely. that you don't go overboard, especially overboard. because I have to be careful for March 13th, which is Sophie's birthday. So um that's, don't go that's too where yeah. exactly and i don't want to like totally drain the bank account more yeah. like the 20p in there <laughs> then go and not have anything from you know you have to sometimes prioritize certain things and also what you can find as well is that certain parts of the year you you end up having christmas and then it goes into the valentine's day and then it'll go into the birthdays and it all kind of goes and then you'll end up having march through to kind of december and you're thinking wow there's not really much going on here Mm. So, um, yeah, a strange balance, but you have to pace yourself, you see. You have to Absolutely. Find, You've got to give yourself yeah, somewhere to go. to make it work. Exactly. Always, yeah. always in mm. life. I would suggest a single red rose, AJ. A single red rose. I know from, from harking back to we've been together. Me and my wife have been together as long as you've been alive, AJ. Wow. Um, How does that make you feel? Old. <laughs> old, yeah. Um, <laughs> but she, she was always a big fan of a single red rose. Um, okay. There we go. Maybe maybe something for you to think about. Anyway, mm. friends, uh, we've come to the end of our show. Um, it's a short one today because it's just me and AJ. The boys will all be back, uh, obviously, at Millwall tomorrow. So follow the game with us. Um, there'll be all the usual stuff pre and post game. And then we'll be back probably Thursday. Um, AJ rotates onto the onto his day off. So Stu will be back on Thursday for us to break that game down then. Anything else to mention, AJ? Any other business you want to you talk about? How's TikTok going? TikTok going well. Should we have a little TikTok update? And I can see what kind of numbers that we are posting. We're, we're now nicely over 100 followers, which is quite good. We'll have lots of pod clips coming up. And I think that... Um, You've got to do something TikTok-wise at the den, surely. Oh, yeah. when Especially when we have a free week, I think it's going to... Mm. We'll, we'll get into a position. And at some games as well, the Ross pronunciation video is, is coming. <laughs> it will happen. Um, getting to pronounce Zian Fleming or something like that. Um but we'll have a few bits and pieces coming up there. Um, I've got we've got a long trip up to Swansea this weekend, for example, as well. We can yeah. do 
all kinds of bits of that. That'd be a nice kind of 6am alarm. God, it never stops, does it? Especially, I mean, I always talk about the fixture list, but these next few. There's some lots of journeys, boy, aren't they? Yeah. What is it we've got? Swansea, Plymouth, Swansea, Cardiff. Plymouth Cardiff, Blackburn. Oh. consecutive away games. What a glamorous wow. life you lead. Mileage is ticking up nicely. Absolutely. Right, then, friends, that's brought us to the end of um, a rare Tuesday show, a little shorter than normal. Just reminding and support our sponsors, use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. If you've left it this late, you're probably not going to get time to uh, to get your stuff in time for Valentine's Day. It doesn't matter. Still still use the code KOA uh, at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. And also, friends, as AJ's just alluded to, followers across social media. Kings of Anglia now on TikTok. Also on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Have you seen that that um, thing that's doing the rounds on Twitter today of a TikToker AJ dancing in the aisle of a plane before it takes off? Um, and the look of like pure straight hatred from his fellow passengers as he goes around um, trying to get high fives off them before he starts dancing. Yeah, if I was on that plane, get... I'd be chucking him out the Ew. door. And we get Stu to dance in the aisles. Of the uh, I feel like Millwall fans would really appreciate that kind of thing. I vaguely remember that Stu, back in the day, I remember Stu flossing. You know the floss that used to be a thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's pretty good at the floss. Um, and <laughs> okay, he so did we'll that, to do that. I seem to remember he did that on a live dead, post-deadline day show when we used to be in the office. It was a Facebook <laughs> Live, and he ended it by flossing, as I recall. Yeah. Um, so there we go. Maybe you can get flossing at the den. See what you can do. God, I never thought I'd hear that sentence. <laughs> Stuart Watson, Flossing of the Den. Follow us on TikTok if you want to see that. Right then, friends, um, have a good start to your week. Enjoy the game tomorrow if you're going. Follow it all with us if you're not. And we'll be back on Thursday to break it all down and look ahead to another big away game, a long trip this weekend. Have a great one, friends. We'll speak to you next time.